Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Well, it is an honor and a blessing to be with you. And uh, I don't know, I think there's a part of me that wants to hear Pastor Aaron preach with all the meds. You know, it may be a unique opportunity for, hear, for us to hear what he really thinks. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but that'd be a lot of fun for me. But hey, it's great to be with you. And uh, I'm excited to be here as a student ministries director for the state of Ohio. Have a unique opportunity of uh, working with 280 churches across the state of Ohio, which you are one of them. And we're, our goal is to resource your effectiveness and uh, help you to reach the community of Reynoldsburg and all the other churches as well. But as student ministries director, I oversee all of the cradle to career ministries. So uh, I help oversee kids ministry, which is led by Becky Garrett, and oversee uh, boys ministries, which is led by Harry Hunt, and girls ministries, which is led by my wife, Mandy. And then Young Adults, who's led by Chris Gross. And then Kaiafa, which is our college uh, ministry outreach, is led by Steve Brandon. And then I also get to do youth ministry. So that's a lot of fun. We're preparing for three weeks of camp this summer. And our camps are out of control and a lot of fun and uh, super, super exciting. And so that's what we get to do is help resource you, resource and, and uh research you guys and being effective to reach the next generation. And so the next generation is important for me. But that's what I do. Who am I? Uh, I'm Tom Grote. And so I want to introduce you to Team Grote, who's not here today. But uh, Team Grote consists of my wife of 18 years, Mandy, who is uh, my best friend. And she is the best part of me. She is the exact opposite of me, which is all the good things. Okay. And uh, uh, so she's an incredible lady and I love her so much. And she's at home right now with my three boys. Uh, so I have Micah, who is eight, Levi, who is six, and Noah, who is four. So my house is all boy, all the time, and that's the way I like it. I think it should be that way. I think the Lord knew at some point when I was having kids that he said, you know what? That guy can't handle girls. Uh, he'd be an emotional wreck, and so we're going to give him boys. And so in my house, everything turns into swords or guns or something. And uh, if, my, if, something, if it's in my four-year-old Noah's hands, it's a lightsaber. Uh, not a lightsaber, but it's a lightsaber. And uh, I don't know if it's good parenting or bad parenting, but my kids have seen all the Star Wars movies. Uh, my kids have seen all the Lord of the Rings movies. Uh, and again, I don't know if that's good or bad, but they're not afraid of orcs. So, you know, I think it's good, okay? And so my four-year-old, he's not afraid. That's awesome. So, again... Yeah, I don't know if that's good or bad. You can tell me later on on how I'm doing with that one. But I do want to give you some scientific data that I think I've had the privilege of doing. I'm a little bit of a science nerd. Uh, In high school, it's my favorite subject. I like blowing things up. And uh, so I'm a little bit of a science nerd, and I've done some research in my house over the past few years. And I think it's important for me to share that with you. I think you guys will love this research. Uh, I have the data at home. You can see all my findings. In fact, we can test this out a little bit if you'd like to come over to my house. Uh, But... How many of you guys know what stress balls are? You know, those little squeezy, squishy balls, and you can, yeah. When you get stressed out, you, you, know, you squeeze them, you know, more. You know, anyways, that's not how we use them in our house. Our house is full of those. They're everywhere. There's probably a bunch of them underneath the couch and behind the couch right now. They're everywhere in our house, and this is why. 
I said earlier everything turns into swords or guns, and I should maybe add missiles or something to that, because what I have learned, I'm a pretty big guy. I'm about 6'4", around 250 or so, and uh, I can take one of those stress balls, and I can wind up and throw it as hard as I want and bounce it off a three-year-old's head and promise you it doesn't hurt. There's no tears. It's just like Johnson & Johnson. There's no tears. No. I mean, I'm telling you right now, it does not hurt. I can, we've done it over and over and over again in my house. We throw stuff around, so pray for my wife. Because that literally is my house. I'll tell you another quick story. We have these foam tubes, right? It used to was an educational game. My mother-in-law is a teacher, and so she buys us educational games. Well, my boys are not into that, right? And so there's this thing where it had these magnets at the ends, and you could stack and build these cool whatever structures. And my boys realized you could unscrew the magnetic ends, and you had these foam swords. But they look like pool noodles, but they're just smaller. They're sword size, you know? And so there's... 50 of those things in my house, and my, my Noah, he always carries a couple of them. He'll take one and stick it down his shirt so he has one that he can pull out at any moment. Uh, so he wears it inside of his shirt, and he'll run around with two of them. One of my favorite things to do when people are over our house is because Noah will run across the living room with some swords, is take one of those out of his hand and hit him with it as hard as I can. I promise you, it makes the most horrific sound in the world. It's like that smack sound, and our guests are always like, Oh my word, you know, like what just happened? And uh, he, you know, we just start fighting because it doesn't hurt. And so, but it sounds horrible. Uh, and I feel like DFS is going to visit my house today. Uh, maybe not, but uh, that is a little bit of my house. And so, um, yeah, that's who I am. But uh, a couple years ago, a little over eight years ago, my wife and I uh, went on a little bit of a spiritual journey. And on this spiritual journey, we began to just pray and ask the Lord, what is it that you would have for us? What you know, Lord, what is it that you are asking us to do? What are you calling us to? Why are we here on this earth? What is our purpose? Or, you know, those kind of things. And so we did. We went away for a, for a retreat, and we would just prayed, and we walked, and we talked, and we read our Bibles, and we literally walked away from that retreat feeling like we had an understanding of what God had called us to, which is an exciting moment. You know, I'll be honest with you, just a, a moment to know our purpose. You know, can I always say, I know, I know God's purpose for my life. And and we walked away with the phrase that we are put on this earth to help people win. I'm a coach. I love to coach. I like you know coaching some of these days. I'm going to coach my boys' ball teams, and, and that's going to be a lot of fun. But, but that phrase has turned into over the last four years, and this is kind of our life purpose. And our life purpose is to help you become all that Jesus died on the cross for you to become. That's what I feel our life goal is, to help people succeed in life and to help you become everything that Jesus ever dreamt for you to be, ever desired for you to be, everything that Jesus ever placed in your heart, all the dreams, and, and I want those to come true. I want you to be all that Jesus died on the cross for you to be, and that's kind of our mission, and that mission is played out in our lives through the next generation. I want you to know I believe in the next generation. I know many times you can look at the next generation, look at our teenagers, our, you know, some of you, the millennials and below and all those kind of things and a lot of different generational terms and tags we place on them. But you look at the next generation and depending on who you talk to, some people would say, oh my goodness, the, ne- the kids of, you know, the kids of today are just incredibly gifted. They're incredibly talented and they're going to do some great things uh, in their life. And then there's a group of people that would go, oh my goodness. I'm not quite sure about the next generation. You know, they, they scare me. I mean, I, I remember when yeah, we didn't have cell phones when I was in high school or the Internet. That's weird, right? Uh, but, uh, you know, we didn't have cell phones. I remember one day I was talking to a teenager, and we were having a conversation. He kept pulling his phone out of his pocket. He'd look at it, and he just 
his thumb's going 100 miles an hour and he's looking at me and he's engaged in this conversation, right? And he keeps, every couple seconds, he's looking at his phone and I went, hold on, Clayton, hold on. What are you doing? You know? He's like, oh, I'm just talking to my friends, just texting my friends. I thought, that is incredibly gifted because he never wavered from our conversation. I mean, he was, I'm a kind of a look in the eye kind of guy, you know what I mean? I'm look at me when I'm talking to you type of guy. I'm a little bit old school in that. And he, he didn't miss a beat. He's talking, we were chatting, but every couple seconds, and he wouldn't look at his phone while he was sending messages. I promise you, I can't do that, okay? I'm still like, oh, goodness. You know, I like Swipe. I'm a fan of Android now because of Swipe. That helps me out a lot. But uh, I have learned also you have to be careful with that because it translates your movements differently from time to time. Make sure you proofread your messages. <laughs> but uh, I, I believe in the next generation. I believe they're tr- incredibly gifted, incredibly talented. I believe that God has a lot uh, for them. And, and what I want to do is help them become all that Jesus died on the cross for them to become. That they fulfill their purpose. That they fulfill their dreams. And not only them, but uh, you guys as well. And that's kind of where I'm at. But as, I, as, as we look at this, I've recognized that there's one topic that every person, for the most part, is moved by. There's one thing that you can talk about and everybody is concerned about. And that is when you talk about our kids or the next generation. Most people in our world are at least somewhat concerned about the future at least somewhat concerned about the world that we live in and the teenagers and the kids of our future. Most people are concerned, but I say this phrase because as I've done some research, I looked at a couple things, I say this phrase and it haunts me a little bit, and the phrase is this, and that is if the next generation does not become all that they are gifted to do, if they don't fulfill the dreams that God has placed in their heart, they don't become all that, you know, it may not be all their fault. You know, it may not be all their fault. I believe that we have a responsibility as leaders to set in in motion an example for them to follow. And here's something I want you to remember. Listen to this. What we've learned is that what one generation allows, the next generation accepts as normal. Think about this for a moment. What one generation allows, the next generation accepts as normal. And so as we walk through life, as we make decisions, we get to a certain place in our life and we go, hey, you know what? Uh, This makes me feel a little uncomfortable or I don't like this as much. And I think we can shift this and we begin to, and I'll just say it like this, lower our standards. Just a little bit. Every little bit we lower our standards. What happens is one generation allows it, the next generation accepts it as normal. And then the next generation lowers their standard. And what happens over time is we continue to have this effect of lowering standard after lowering standard after lowering standard after lowering standard. And we can see this in a lot of different avenues. Now, I said this earlier, I'm a little bit of a science nerd. I still, I'm glad I have boys. We'll do science experiments in my house. But I think I heard recently we're either 14th or 16th, I can't remember, either 14th or 16th ranked globally in math and science. We're not even in the top 50% of developed countries in math and science. Now, that's, that's a shame for me. And I remember when I was in high school, I mean, think about this. For, when I was in high school, I was a basketball player. Like, I, I played basketball. That's what I did. That was my, that was my thing. I, I lived for basketball, okay? I still think my dad's mad at me that I'm not in the NBA today. I still think that he's a little bit disappointed in me uh, that, that uh, I wasn't that good. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but I played basketball. That was my claim to fame. I, I was a basketball player. But my parents set a standard for me. And the standard for me was this. Tom, if you want to play basketball, you cannot receive any D's or F's on your report card. Okay? You can't get any D's or F's. And so what does that mean? I have to get at least a C. 
So if I pulled my scrapbooks out, which I have plenty, if I pulled my scrapbooks out and we looked at all of my report cards, you know what you're going to see a lot of? C's. Why? Because that was the expectation for my life. My parents looked at me and said, Tom, get C's and we're happy. Sweet. <laughs> you know, like, bonus, I don't have to work to get C. That's not that difficult. Uh, you know, I laugh. I think I read my first book cover to cover after I graduated high school. I didn't read books in English class in high school because I didn't have to, because I would show up in class and they would talk about it and I'd just pay close enough attention to go, I get a C on this test. You know what I mean? Like, they, they've given me enough answers that when the test comes, I get a C on that thing. I got this now. I don't have to read that book. Here, teacher, you can have it back. I mean, I'm not even going to risk the chance of losing it. I'm not going to read it. I'm going to pass that test. You know what I'm saying? And uh, that's kind of how I walked through school. But don't we do that? Don't we do that in our life? We, we lower the bar. We lower the expectations. We lower the standards for us. And over time, what happens is the bar just keeps dropping and lowering and lowering. And I don't think we recognize it or realize it. And so I'm here today to start what I would say is a movement. We've launched a, a movement of increasing our expectations or raising our expectation, the bar of expectation and realization of who we are in Christ. We want to start a movement of a new normal, a new normal, to be the new normal. Right now, the normal is kind of, eh. We believe that God has more for you than that. I believe that God has gifted you and has, has empowered you to be more than just, eh, we're having fun. I believe that God has more for you. So we're going to start a movement of the new normal. And the new normal is more about where a transformed faith collides with spirit-led action. Where transformed faith collides with spirit-led action. Let me walk you through transformed faith for a minute. Like I said, when I was in high school, I didn't go to church. wasn't raised in church. I didn't start going to church until after I got out of high school. I got out of high school, and I'm not going to lie. I started going to church because I met a girl and uh, thought she was hot. And so... I thought, hey, I'm going to church because there's a lot of girls in church. You know what I mean? And so I'm going to church, met a girl. That's I'm, I'm lie, that's why I went. And I married her. She can tell you. She can tell you today. You know, that's, but I started going to church over and over and over again. And there was one Sunday where God transformed my life. I'll never forget it. I can tell you where I was at. I can tell you where I was sitting. I can tell you a lot about that moment when God came into my life. And transformed me. And I used to get mad at Mandy because here I am. I was a basketball player, right? I thought I was somebody in high school. And, and we'd be talking. And I'd be like, hey, Mandy, why, man, why don't you? Why, let's go out. She's like, no. And I'm like, oh, do you know who I am? You know, like, I, I'm Tom Crow, in case you haven't noticed. You know, like, you don't tell me no. Like, what's going on right now? And she used to always say this phrase, hey, listen, we'll always be friends until we see eye to eye. I never understood that until that moment when Jesus encountered me. It transformed me. I mean, transformed me. Transformed me so much that I've been in the ministry now for about, oh, 16 years or so. The last 20 years of our life, I'd say, we've committed to, uh, devoted to uh, serving the next, gen- the next generation, helping them to become all that Jesus died on the cross for them to become. And I can still go back to my hometown. 20 years later, I can still go back to my hometown and have people say to me, Tom. They call me Tommy. In my hometown, Tommy. I cannot believe that you're a pastor. I'm like, no, isn't that crazy? Like, that's messed up to think about. That Tommy Groats, that kid, is now a pastor. And what that is evidence of is a transformed life. It's that I had an encounter with Jesus Christ that changed me forever. 
transformed my life. And it's that type of a transformed faith that collides with spirit-led action. A couple of verses I want to read to you real quick. If we read, open our Bibles up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. I love that new creation language there. I love that because that is the truth. It's not about now that I'm in Christ, the only difference in my life is that on Sunday morning, instead of sleeping in, I now get up and go to church. And then after church, I go to lunch. And then after lunch, I take a nap. You know, that's kind of our routine. That's, the, that's not the change that we're talking about. What we're talking about is a transformation. The old is gone and the new is here. It's a, it's a transformed heart. It's a transformed mind. There's a transformed faith when our life is changed through an experience with Jesus Christ. And that's what I experienced. And that's what the new normal is really about. It's about a transformed faith. You know, I love this. I love Luke chapter 10, verse 27, where it says uh, the Pharisees are talking to Jesus and they asked him, hey, you know, what's the most important commandment? What's the most, if we could only follow one, what's the, what's the most important commandment? He says, oh, here it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And the second one is love your neighbor as yourself. Now think about this for a second. The reason I love this is because there's a completeness of this. There's a totality in this. There's a love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Not just a little bit. It's not, hey, you know what, Jesus? I'm going to pencil you in on Sundays at 11 o'clock. And we're going to spend about an hour and 15 minutes together. And then I'm going to try and give you another 30 minutes on Wednesday afternoon. That's what I got time for. You know, that's the way it's. No, we're talking about all. Oh, there's a all. Oh, there's a totality. That's a transformed faith. When we surrender our all to Jesus, when he comes into our life and transforms us. And it's an all. It's not just about Sunday morning. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I love that, that transformation that takes place. That leads us to James chapter 2 and verse 14 through 25, where it talks about faith without deeds or faith, that type of faith without action is useless or dead, it says in James. That that faith without action is worth nothing. And again, this is the, what I would consider, it's what I would consider the new normal. Where a transformed faith collides with spirit-led action. You know, we stand here today and we try to identify a certain thing. The world is looking for a few things. They're, they're looking for value, right? They're looking for purpose. And ultimately, they're hoping to find significance in life. I mean, that's, I mean even some of us today, we're searching we're searching to find value in our life. We're searching to find purpose with our life. We're ultimately hoping to accomplish some sort of significance. And this is a quest that we're all on. We all kind of walk through this. And the world's so much for looking for hope. But they're hoping to find value, purpose, and significance. And I laugh about this because value, value is important. But you can have value without purpose. You ever recognize that? You can have value without purpose. Yesterday, I'm sitting at home and I'm watching television. And uh, we don't have cable anymore. And I won't tell that story, but it hurts my heart. I love basketball, uh, as I said earlier. But we don't have cable anymore because of our schedule and some of the things we're never home. But uh, So when I'm at home, my channels are limited. You know what I mean? So I'm watching some PBS. On, 
I know. Pray for me, right? Uh, but I'm watching PBS and, and the Antique Roadshow is on. Have you ever watched that before? And so I'm watching the Antique Roadshow. And there's this lady and she's got this picture of a cowboy sitting on a hill. And his cow, or his cow, his horse, my bad, um, his horse sitting next to him. And they're just kind of sitting. And then there's this piece of paper you can hardly read. You can tell it's really, 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 really old, right? And so, and the guy's like, oh, man, he's talking about this and that and all kinds of stuff. I have no clue what he's talking about. And then he says the magic word, right? I would value this painting at about fifteen dollars to $25,000. And I win. Sell! Sell! Like I'm just screaming, sell in my heart. Listen, if I got a picture of my house worth $15,000, it is gone tomorrow. I promise you. There is no painting worth $15,000 in my house. I'm going to tell you that right now. So you can have value and no purpose. You know what I'm saying? Like, a $15,000 painting, see ya. You know, someone wants to pay that for a painting. They can have it. It can have purpose to them. It's not going to have purpose to me. But, uh, you know, as you transition from value to purpose, though, you can have purpose without any significance, right? Have you guys ever seen a typewriter? Any fans of a typewriter? Anybody own a typewriter? Come on, let's... Yes, we have... Yes! Now, if you're going to write a book, I promise you, you're not going to go, hey, can you pull that typewriter out of the closet for me? I'm about to write a book. You know, a typewriter has purpose, right? It can put ink on a page. Listen, nobody's using a typewriter anymore. Like, how many people don't know what a typewriter is? Okay, we're not that far removed from them yet. Uh, one, of these, one of these days, I'm going to say that, and like 12 kids be like, what in the world's a typewriter? You know what I mean? That's going to be awesome. I'm going I'm to you know, love that day. But uh, you can have value with no purpose. You can have purpose, uh, with, but you can have purpose with no significance. And I think what we're looking for is significance. And so I believe the new normal is an opportunity for you to find your personal significance. I believe that God has gifted you. I believe that God has something for us. In fact, how do we, how do we enter into this realm of significance? How do we enter into this understanding of significance? How do we find our personal significance? Or, in my words, how do we become all that Jesus died on the cross for us to become? How do we have our transformed faith turn into spirit-led action? How does this come true in our life? And, well, the bottom line to it is we have to make some of our cliché statements a reality. In the church world, there are some cliches that we use all the time. We have to turn those cliches into a reality. And here's one of them. Ready? You ready for this? How many of you guys have heard this in the church? That God loves you and has a plan for your life. Like that is used over and over and over and over in the church environment. So much so that it's almost like one of those phrases that we just we hear and then we release. You know what I mean? It's like in one ear and out the other. We, we hear that, oh yeah, God's got a plan for me. God loves me. I know that. I know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know that. I've heard that before. And what happens is become this cliche phrase. We've got to turn that into a reality because you want to know the truth? You want to know the truth? The truth is God does love you. He really, he really does. The truth is God loves you so much he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. The truth is God does love you. That's the truth. You know what? Do you want to know what else? God does have a plan. Think about this for a minute. God really does love you. And God really does have a plan for your life. So much so that he has placed dreams and abilities and talents inside of you. Romans 12, 6 tells us that God has given each one of us the ability to do certain things well. Every single one of us have gifts, talents, and abilities. Every single one of us, God has put inside of you dreams and passions and abilities. Every single one of you has significance inside you because that's the way God created you. 
Significance is right there for you. So that is the truth. So we got to turn God, God loves you and has a plan for your life into a reality. I love, I love that understanding. Because God does have a plan for your life. And there are dreams in your heart. And there are dreams in your life. And God is waiting to unlock. And so a transformed faith colliding with this spirit-led action is what we call the new normal. I could tell you story after story about this. I'll tell you a couple about students who have recognized God has God loves them and God has a plan for their life. There's a young girl by the name of Jasmine in Cincinnati. She's a senior this year in high school. And Jasmine, I met her just a, a couple months ago. And uh, she just just a young girl, sweet girl, who loves Jesus and wants the, her school to recognize all that God has for them and so she goes to school every day she prays for her friends all that kind of stuff and well she had a student in her class who was dying of brain cancer and so uh one day she's in school and she she god places this kid's name will his name is will on his on her heart and so this kid got so bad that he was unable to come to school anymore and he was one of those marginal kids anyways he never really fit in one any real big circles or social circles or anything like that. He was kind of a marginal kid. And so God places this kid on her heart. So three days a week after school, she would leave school and she would go over his house and just spend time with him. She'd pray with him, talk to him about Jesus, and just hang out three days a week. Well, Will ended up dying of cancer. He'd end up dying of that cancer. But they've got this captured on tape where he talks about how much Jasmine meant to him and how she would talk about Jesus and how he would, you know, his life was changed because of what she did for him. And well, that wasn't enough for Jasmine. He passes away. And after that, Jasmine begins to do something for, for, uh, do something for him. And so she starts a foundation in his name to try and raise money on behalf of this type of brain cancer. And so here's Jasmine, a high school senior who's going above and beyond to raise the bar of expectation and understanding of what it means to be a Christ follower. And here she is, she's doing this. And you know, the Cincinnati newspaper wrote an article about the top 10 future leaders of Cincinnati. You know, Jasmine was on that list. Here's a young lady who very simply loved Jesus, was transformed by his presence, had transformed faith. And one day is sitting in her school and God places a name on her heart and turns that name on her heart into spirit-led action and goes and spends time with him. And because of that, God moved, changed lives, did things, and now all of a sudden she's listed as one of the top 10 future leaders and entrepreneurs in Cincinnati, Ohio. I could tell you stories of Jonathan and Nathan, who just a bunch of kids, a couple high school kids who love riding bikes. They ride bikes for, for a hobby, and, and so they're riding their bikes uh, all the time. They're sitting at the kitchen table with their dad one day, and they say, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we rode our bikes to Myrtle Beach? Wouldn't that be awesome to just ride our bikes to Myrtle Beach? That'd be really cool. And then all of a sudden, God speaks to them and says, hold on. Don't just ride your bikes to Myrtle Beach for nothing, but do it for something. And so here, Nathan and Jonathan decide we're going to raise money for Speed Delight. Speed Delight is a missions, a student-led missions organization that provides vehicles uh, for our missionaries all around the world. And so these two kids and their dad, they, they set out on a campaign. They raised over $3,000 for Speed Delight as they rode their bikes to Myrtle Beach. Just a bunch of kids who just had incredible global impact because they like to ride bikes. It's a transformed faith that collides with spirit-led action. I could tell you stories. You've probably heard about Shayna Fowler and some of what she's done even here in the Columbus area in the Butterfly Project. Transformed faith in spirit-led action. I could tell you about Augusta Enns, who's also in Cincinnati, who, who does ballet and dances for the Cincinnati Ballet. A young girl, she's a junior in high school this year, who dances for the Cincinnati Ballet and how many times she's had an opportunity to witness inside the context of the ballet for Jesus. We tell you story after story after story of transformed faith and spirit-led action. And the thing for me is, why are those stories not the norm. 
Why are those stories the exception? As I tell you a story about Augusta, or if I tell you a story about Jasmine or about Jonathan, many times you're like, oh, that is great. That's incredible. Why, why are those the exception to the rule? Is it because God has gifted them with something more than he's gifted the rest of us? No. Is it because God has more for them, has more plans for them than the rest of us? No. Why is it that they were able to do this? Because they were, had transformed faith and aligned it with spirit of action. That's it. Started with riding bikes and praying for classmates, turned into something much larger than that. I propose that we set a new normal. I propose that we raise the bar of expectation of what it means to be a Christ follower. I propose that we live at a higher standard because as leaders, as leaders, I believe, as I think about the next generation, we have a responsibility to raise the bar. Here's a quote for you. You ready for this? We teach what we know, but we reproduce who we are. As I talked to you earlier about us lowering the bar, generation after generation after generation, you can say what you want, but we teach you reproduce who you are. You reproduce who you are. Let's raise the bar in our own lives. Let's be a new normal. Let's raise the bar of expectation. Let's raise the bar of understanding of what it means to be a Christ follower. And here's the last verse I have for you. Let's raise the bar of expectations. It's Philippians 4.13. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Another church cliche, to be honest with you. I bet some of you have that on your wall somewhere in your house in some sort of vile way. If not, you know somebody who does, right? I can do all this through him who gives me strength. You know what the truth? You can truth is you can. The truth is God has gifted you. God has called you. God has blessed you. God has empowered you. You can do all this through him who gives you strength. God does love you and he does have a plan for your life. And for me, it's time for us to raise the bar of understanding to be the new normal, to be a new normal, to raise the expectation of what it means to be a Christ follower, to have transformed faith, to be transformed in the presence of Jesus and to turn that into a, a journey with him. And as we journey with Jesus and he speaks to our lives, taking that, those words and turning them into action, taking the dreams of your heart and turning them into a reality, that's a new normal. How much better would our world be if Christ followers raised the bar and became the new normal? How much more impact could we have if we raised the bar? and became the new normal. If you let your transformed faith turn into spirit that action. I want to pray for you today. And I'm going to ask you a couple questions. You can close your eyes and just think about this for a minute. I want you to contemplate some of these things. And There's no doubt I'm, I'm passionate about the way the Lord has transformed my life. He changed me. He changed me. He. I don't have time to talk about how He changed me, but I will just say my life has never been the same since I've encountered Jesus. And it's not that I'm perfect. I make mistakes all the time. Goodness gracious, I've made a lot of mistakes. Things I regret even after that. But here's the deal. It's a journey with Jesus and he continues to transform us. And there may be some people in here who have never said, you know what, Tom? Hey, I hear you. I want to have that same experience. I want to know Jesus like you know him. I want to be transformed in his presence as well. And if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. Slip your hand in the air real quick. Thank you. You know, and there's a group of you here who have been transformed in his presence. 
you know, you may not have recognized it before because it happened suddenly, but we have been lowering the bar of expectations. And, well, I want you to experience significance in Jesus. And there's some of you who say, I want to. I know that God has given me dreams. I know that God has gifted me. And it's time for me to take my transformed faith and turn it into spirit-led action. And if that's you today, you say, you know what? I want to be the new normal. I want to live at a higher standard. Just raise your hand real quick. I want to see your hands. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Let me pray for you. And those of you who raised your hands to have that experience with Jesus to allow him to transform your life, I'd encourage you to to talk to somebody with a lanyard here afterwards or Pastor Aaron and have a quick conversation with him. There's more to it than what I just shared. And oh, it's such an incredible transformation and blessing. But let me just pray for all of you as we strive to be the new normal. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your love for us, that you love us so much as individuals. You love me and you love each one of these individuals in here the same. Lord, Thank you for your love. I thank you that you called us, you gifted us. And Lord, I just pray right now for those who are entering into a relationship with you. I pray, first of all, that you will forgive them and help them to surrender their life to you and to <coughs> allow you to enter into their lives and become Lord of their lives. And I pray that you will transform their hearts and their minds. I pray also, Lord, for those who understand that there is a new normal. There is a generation out there that needs leaders. And there's a, a, a people out there that needs each one of us. And so there are leaders in here right now that have understood that we need to raise the bar of expectation. That we need to live at a higher standard. That we need to take our transformed faith and to follow your spirit into action. Lord, I pray right now that you will help each one of them to take steps as they move to become the new normal. I pray that you will help each one of them to become a leader, to become an example, but not just that, to, to be all that you died on the cross for them to be. Help them to be the significant person you created them to be. And God, we love you. We just ask that you will take all the glory. Lord, I pray that you will be lifted up. Lord, that you will be the Lord of our lives. That, God, everything we do, we do for you, Jesus. It is not about us. It is all about you. We love you. And we need you. And we ask this in Jesus' name.